Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. Well, there's been a flurry of activity in the private Facebook group around some of the recent episodes about church. Kind of came out of the middle of nowhere and has been really, really good. Well, yeah, and I think it also came out of our last, uh, most recent podcast on, on, you know, you talking about some of your experiences and some of your thoughts about that. Oh, that's right. You were kind of uh, pushing me, as you like to call it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering what, what, what of the parts of that conversation that took place in the Facebook group, what, what kind of really caught your eye? What, uh, I think, what, what well, have you been thinking about? Well, the, the, the ongoing, the ongoing kind of struggle or, or grappling with the question of, is it really okay not to go to church? Mm. And then, I don't know, kind of watching, um, watching one person kind of go through, I feel like a similar process that I went through, kind of a sense of kind of pushing pause and instead of just doing it because you were supposed to or because something was going to go wrong if you did stop doing it, just kind of pushing pause and saying, wait a minute, why? Hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. this is, there There are other options. There's other possibilities. And uh Dad, I don't know. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting. And I don't know, maybe I've said that before, but that's the the part that that kind of keeps striking me as well as mm-hmm. I think they also raise question, you know, what about kids and uh actually I think you threw me the bombs like, "Oh, well, John, why don't you answer this question? We're talking about this." <laughs> I and did. I did not intentionally dodge the question, but I realized that I never answered it. Okay. So we could explore that. Uh I think on the last podcast maybe even around kids, you had raised the distinction as it, you would raise the distinction of belief, helping someone to believe versus helping them to understand. Yeah. And I, that was, that was intriguing. It sounds very kind of ticky tack, but I, I think you're onto something there. So I, I would be curious to dig into that more. And there's probably, I don't know, five other topics, but there's been like so much discussion that mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that there's a way to summarize it. I. I yeah. Oh, maybe that's just a good thing, right? We've we've got a, a whole kind of flowing over of conversation. That's, as long uh, as it's not totally overwhelming people. That, <laughs> that yeah, that's only, true. But <laughs> but I guess I mean well, it's a free world on the internet. So I guess if you if you want to dive in, you can, and if you're not ready or it's too much, you don't have to. So. Maybe that's yeah. not a problem. Yeah, and we might we we, we might want to. I mean, what what could you say to normalize the whole idea of being overwhelmed with this? I mean, how how did you feel when you were going through that process of initially considering, can I stop going to church? <laughs> but that's the thing is, I don't remember. Maybe <laughs> I don't remember it being such a conscious. Uh, for me, it was a slow burn. <laughs> ah. it was a, it was a, it was just a gradual. Thing kind of with the assumption that eventually I would go back. Okay, so you were taking for, a break more than yeah. It was just kind of I'm out of options or we're out of options for now. So right, we're taking a break until eventually we go back, and then we haven't yet. 
or will we ever? I don't. Okay. I don't know, but I feel much more comfortable not worrying so much about the future. But I will say, whether we get to it or not today, that yeah, what to how all this affects my son. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not just saying. Oh, doesn't matter. It, it'll it'll be fine. No, I <laughs> I still do. I still worry about it. I don't mm-hmm. have an answer. The only mm-hmm. answer I do have on it is that my integrity is more important than than trying to make sure he he goes to heaven instead of hell. Right. Which sounds horrible to say, maybe to some, but for me it's, you know, given exactly where I'm at these days, I don't feel comfortable sitting down with him and saying, you know, this is the way it is and this is how I've mm-hmm. experienced God and this is why you need him too and uh, you need to do all these things and then your life will be great. When I can't say any of those things for myself. Well, exactly. I think you, you mentioned that a couple of times. You know, you don't have that to give to give to him. You might like to have these sort of reassurances and this kind of solid answer, if you like, but it, that's you're in the process of seems to me figuring all that out. Mm-hmm. And I totally admire people that have very strong convictions about certain things. Now, sometimes as I get to know those people, I realize that there's something else driving those convictions. Yes. In other words, whether it be, I don't know if it's insecurity. In other words, it's not, sometimes it's easy to meet people sometimes and go, wow, that person has such strong convictions on this issue. Mm-hmm. They really believe. And then the more you get to know them, they're like, well, not exactly. So mm-hmm. I think I'm kind of wandering us all over the place. So coming back to the church thing, that's what I'm thinking so far. Yeah. Well, y- y- would you mind if I chipped in a couple of thoughts about the whole family thing and Chip the, whole, away. The, the, the kids and, you know, it's... It, it really, I really am curious. I'm really interested when I hear you talking or when, uh, you know, S- Stephanie writes or Anna writes or Evan writes. And, you know, this is a theme that everyone, all of our listeners who are regular interactors with us have been interacting on. This whole idea of being a church, going to church, things not going right at church, church not being as it should be or finding that... You That's know, a good. You know, I hadn't realized. You're right. It's, you're right. it's such that a commonality. One, yeah, that is the one. Com- I would. Yeah. Well, if we're if we're missing something, someone should chime in. But I think you're right. That is the common theme. You know, and and as as I'm hearing the stories, it's 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 recalling to me my past, and I know you've been out of the church scene now for three to four years. I mean, um, Evan and Anna and Stephanie for for differing periods. Doesn't sound like quite as long as you have. For me, um, you know, the last time I had, there was any kind of regularity or, wow, I don't even know what the word, a commitment, maybe the word's commitment, was 2000 and early 2004. So for me, it's been over 10 years. Is that when you were in grad school? No, no, it was right before grad school. I mean, we tried when I was in grad school, a couple of different churches and the stories were just bad stories. Really, Wait, wasn't really that kind of weird? To be going to a Christian... Utterly weird. Okay. <laughs> Christian Utterly grad weird. school and not going to church? Well, it was, but it was also weird to be going to a Christian grad school. And th- this is maybe a different topic, but it's worth a, a, a discussion. 
I was just so uncomfortable there because I wasn't at a liberal arts, Christian liberal arts school. So, so you know, being Canadian, the uh, higher level uh, learning institutions just, just aren't as numerous and, and as diversified as they are in the U.S. So it's hard to find, I don't even know if you could find in Canada, uh, a graduate level Christian school where you could, for example, uh, I don't know, study anthropology or study, there are, there are, there's, there's one that I know of. Um, but nevertheless, um, I wasn't going to a school like that. It was not called a seminary, but it was essentially a seminary. So we're focusing in on theology and exegesis and all these other things. And that's great. I mean, I knew what the focus was by and large, but I felt so incredibly uncomfortable, not just during my church experiences while at grad school, but in grad school itself, because there was such a suspicion and such a, uh, just an unwillingness to interact with philosophical ideas. So if it wasn't theology, if it wasn't theological, um, people weren't willing to engage. And then that was, that was tough. Is that the root of... Like when you get really particular about a certain word or a certain way of <laughs> seeing things, like is that the philosophical bent or emphasis coming into play? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think there's that, but there's also the, just this sense that, um, from my own past, I guess it's not just a philosophical interest, but it's it's. Having lived through, and this is going to tie right back into this discussion about church, having lived through moments in my own life where texts, biblical texts, where notions, Christian notions of how we should get along and how we should behave, where all of these are presented in words to us. We don't have um, the, 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 the New Testament authors to come here and, and teach us. We don't have people from that time to come and live this out in front of us, we try to live it out to each other. But um, I've seen these words in these texts misused, used to beat people and hurt people. And I, I just, and, and I've been the people being hurt. And I, I may have been the, some of the people doing the hurting. And it's awful. It's awful. It should never happen. So, you know, when I guess when I get really particular about certain words, part of what's happening is I'm aware that those words in different contexts, or maybe in that very context, have been used to do bad things. And I want to avoid that. I want to make really, uh, be as clear as I can in order to be as um, sure as I can that I can avoid misusing those words and, you know, mistreating people in the process. Then do you want me to jump back to the, the family piece? Yes. Okay. So where I was going with that is um, it's been really interesting to to hear your stories and Stephanie's and Evan's and Anna's about, you know, church not working. And now I am finally at the point where church is working and church is working. And, you know, I've come through this whole circuit. I'm going to bring a lot of stuff in here, but the, the, the baseline story is that um, church is working. Uh, church is working for my family and my children are now old enough. Uh, they're 11 and 14. And they are now old enough that they have decided for themselves that they uh, were at first attending another church, which is in the town that we live in. And they were attend attending it by their own admission because their friends were going there. And as they have been attending that church over the course of a, a, quite a while, 
Um, and admittedly, the whole time, it's because their friends go there and they really, some of these friends are people who are just, how I'm, I'm not sure what different parenting models are, but it's a parenting model I would never embrace. And it's this huge, vast overcommitment of my kids and allowing my kids to become overcommitted. Like kids who are, who are as committed as I am as an adult. They have no time for friends. You mean to activities? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I don't know. My that son's not old enough to, for that yet, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, I've seen some of it at a distance. It, it's, it's crazy. And my girls could not connect. With, they literally could not get time for play dates. They could not get time at all. So they saw these people at church. But the, the inspiring thing is that, um, you know, this was a church where originally when I came, we came to this town, Susan and I, my, my spouse, started attending it. And we quickly recognized that this was not a place that we could be. And I can go into why uh, later if you want. But, but my girls recently have made the decision that this isn't a place that they want to be. So you let them decide where to go to church. You didn't tell them they had to go somewhere. Exactly. Really? Exactly. Well, you know. So you're I, just like, if you want to go to church, you can go to church. And if you don't, you don't have to. I wasn't going to church. How could I force them to? <laughs> no, it's such a, it's such a foreign concept to me. Because I grew up in a family where, like, it wasn't even a discussion. There yeah. was like, yeah, it was, it was like, are we going to have oatmeal for breakfast? Of course we are. Are we going to church? It's Sunday. Of course we are. Like, there was just no, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I, I think there's a value to, to having routines in our homes and to valuing certain things in our lives that we then create routines around. I'm not saying that parents shouldn't be um, advocating church and at a certain point taking their, their children to church, but I think a lot of that depends on what that church is like. And particularly when I have left a church and I've walked out of it, we weren't there very long, not, not even long enough to sort of, I don't know, what were we there, six months maybe? Um, not even long enough to have established much of anything. And the, my girls are still going. Um, on the one hand, no, it does not make sense to talk to them about, you know, to try to persuade them not to go there. And I'm, and in a certain sense, I'm happy that they're, that, they're, that they're going there, but I'm always asking them, so, you know, how is it and how was it? And they would keep coming back with these stories. And again and again, it was the same story. It was the same story about how a discussion in, in I'm using air quotes, of course, a discussion <laughs> was raised in a Sunday school context or in a, in a kind of fairly official, it wasn't kind of an ad hoc, you know, we're sitting around eating ice cream or we're sitting around watching a movie or hanging out. A conversation was, where there's only one outcome? Well, <laughs> it, it, yeah, but it wasn't even, uh, I don't even think these are conversations. I think that these are more like, uh, they're, they're, they're didactic moments. Well, what, what does that mean? <laughs> well, didactic means teaching, but I'm going for this more this idea of didacticism, which means taking the right information and making sure it gets planted in somebody's brain. It's kind of an I'm looking at it from a pretty, fairly ideological stance, which is this kind of idea that if something is super duper important, like ultra important, and somebody's got to get it right. You can't, there's no, there's no fudge room here. You got to get this right. Well, that's not just being didactic as in teaching, but that's didacticism. It's taking on an orientation towards the material that says the material is ultimately important here, not the person. And it's going to do good some, things for you. And what would be some real life examples of that? 
going to heaven. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, but besides that. Well, outside of a church context, you mean? Yeah, just in real life. Because I like how a lot of times you're like, well, if that doesn't work in Christianity, or if it doesn't work in real life, how can that work in Christianity? So what's what are some real life examples of like the environment or like what else? Yeah, I mean, we could come up with any number of them. Uh, I remember, uh, you see, this is going to be kind of a church-like example as well. Uh, I remember a debate when I was first in graduate school about the 2004 U.S. election. And at the very end of the debate, one student stood up and the panel were the... Wait, this is in Canada? This is in Canada. Why do you care about that? (laughs) Well, 40% of our, no, 30 to 40% of our student body was was American. It was a very... How interesting. uh, A very international school. Uh, So, um, but one of the students stood up and said, but can't we as Christians simply say that even though all these things are tricky, that if somebody is killing babies, we have to say no to them. And, and the other, one of the profs said, that's a completely false dichotomy. Try not breathing for four minutes and see which one's worse. So in other words, he was taking this approach that said, listen, this is ultimately important. And again, we're coming back to Christian themes, but I think that's okay because Christianity deals with a lot of things that are very, very important, not just this idea of going to heaven, but, you know, the value of human life and these other things. But he he was basically saying, no, 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 I'm backing out of that, right? You're kind of trying to construct this situation where you're saying, this is of ultimate importance. This is the way we get the right outcome, i.e. we vote for that party, and that's all there is to it. And he was saying, no, 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 that's, no, the environmental issue is just as much an issue might be a much slower burn but it's it's got it's unequal footing and we can't we can't approach it that way and I, I think the other thing too is that outside of contexts where beliefs are I won't just say beliefs I, I'd have to say ideologies which is this notion of of a view of the world that refuses to acknowledge its basis and its grounds it refuses to acknowledge where it's come from so an ideology, um, yeah, outside of that, outside of that sort of environment, I don't think that, that you know, this kind of uh, didacticism, this kind of really s- powerful focus on getting the right answer really comes into play because people are, see it. They're like, what are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense. You know, and it, I think, I think, See, I'm here. I'm really hesitating on a word here. I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to use it. Um, it I think it's a, a situation that, in other contexts, people would say, "Well, that's cultish. It's groupthink. It's being impressed with the logic of something where there is no logic." So I'm not saying there's not a kind of a that we would not live. The human beings don't uh, enter into a relationship with God and that, that relationship ceases, right? Which is this notion that we, we call eternal life. This relationship goes on. I'm not, I'm not uh, suggesting the relationship does not continue without end. But I am suggesting that some of the ways that we put this across and the, some of the ways that we teach this, including in the church, which is what my daughters were experiencing, um, it's a mock. It's a, it's a, it's a facade, it's not a discussion at all. 
because you are chastised for getting every answer or any answer except for the right answer. And oh, so it's, so it's framed. Really, so it's framed as a framed as a discussion. It's kind of this exploratory discussion where the facilitator is it has an has an end game and it's going to steer the conversation to that. Yes, it's like and, call and response, and that's considered didactism. I would call that didacticism. Yeah. Okay. I it's an orientation towards learning that is saying that the subject matter and the ramifications of getting it right or getting it wrong are so high that the important thing is that the people get it. So here's the right answer. Memorize it. Don't ask me why and don't ask me how it applies and don't ask me, you know, why somebody else doesn't, doesn't agree with this answer. Just take the answer and memorize it. There you go. Um, and that's an extreme, you know, case. But for my kids, um, coming back to that, and how did they? I, but how did they experience it? They did, thought it was ridiculous. Oh, they saw through it. They did well. And this is the other part too. I mean, I think that's when, interesting. When I wouldn't, are, I wouldn't expect it of kids. Well, yeah, but I mean, they live in the house with with Susan and I, so, <laughs> and, and they'll that's say right. this happened. <laughs> And this was the discussion, and I'll say, well, that's very There's interesting. There's a hermeneutic of suspicion in your household. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, but, 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 yeah, our kids live with us. And so if we're in the process of trying to figure out whether we should be going to church or not, or what is it about church that's not working, or what are we looking for, or, you know, is it me, is it my church? Usually we've gone beyond the, is it me, is it my church? And we're kind of saying, okay, we need a break. But... So you have opened conversations about this as of all four of you as a family. Yeah, yeah. But I think our kids observe us. They observe us doing a whole bunch of things. They also are going to observe us, which is my point, in the quandary of trying to find truth relative to our faith. Now, that's a place, you know, they talk about in parenting, finding your kids doing good. Well, your kids need to find you doing good. And that is precisely, as a Christian, what you want your kids to find you doing. Like, there could be no better. Doing good in terms of seeking truth relative to your beliefs and living them out. And being open about it. What does that mean, seeking truth relative to your beliefs? Sounds <laughs> profound, but I don't know what it means. Well, I, I think that, for example, I mean, take your situation. Uh, it, it's not... Christianity is not making sense. You're, you're dealing with a whole bunch of situations where uh, you're in a group, someone makes a comment, and there's the, the kind of courtesy nod or the courtesy sort of recognition of the comment, and, and no one's willing to sort of say, oh, you know, I don't know, I've got some questions about that, or, the, you know, I'm not really sure about that, or how does that fit in with this other thing that happened last week? And so I, I think that Church environments can breed falsehood. Church environments can lead us in directions that are unhelpful. Um, now, is that entirely the case? No, I don't think so. And, and, but, but it's also not, like, we got to be really careful about this idea about the church is filled with imperfect people. And, you know, you're never going to find the right church. And it's all about you creating the environment. Let's let's be quick to debunk that, <laughs> right? I've been in a lot of environments as a, as a highly skilled person. Not I don't know too many people who've got as much training and background, both experientially 
and academically in terms of Christianity, and not just Christianity, but, but interpretation and some of these things that undergird the conversations that in so much of our uh, Facebook podcast interaction, people find troublesome. I don't know how many people have that as much of that as, as I would. And, and I still find that to be inc- it's those, those, some of those environments to be incredibly closed, you know, and, and I guess so you're people- saying that given all of your study and learning, someone like you would theoretically be able to just thrive in any environment. I'm saying, I think that's, that's part of the mindset that I want to debunk. Okay. I, I, there, there's no way. Right. There's not, not if you're, because part of what you're doing is you're looking to build relationships. And, and the last thing you want to do in, in building a relationship that most of us want to do is, is, is to be a thorn in someone's side. Well, yeah. And you can build a relationship with someone you don't trust. Yeah. And if I go in there and, 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 you know, it's one thing for me to say, um, I mean, gee, I've told you, I've told you, we've, we've talked about this, how many times about this, this, uh, truth, uh, project, uh, seminar, and me finding just some a lot of the content to be just actually inaccurate. That's one of my top five ways to get you fired up. And then there's there <laughs> every time. It's like a little it's like a little button. You're pushing my button. But but the reality of that one was that you know as a skilled party on on, a, on I you know I was in there for three three discussions that were kind of uh, focused around three different videos in this series. And in two of these, I was able to redirect that discussion just by asking an appropriate question. And the third one, it hit off, it triggered something for that entire group, something I had not expected, and it was powerful. And it completely railroaded. I mean, I used the same question in both both of the prior occasions, and it was amazing the difference in the discussion before I asked and after I asked the question. This time, nothing. It was just this powerful, it was anger and hostility and hurt and just a ton of stuff that could have and should have been unpacked. But you can't do that on your own. You may be, able to, you may be in a church situation. You may say to yourself, there's something, there are some dysfunctional things about this place. You may be able to itemize them. You may think you have a good sense and you may be right about it of what to do. But to do that as, a, as, a, as an individual or even as a couple, even as a family, um, you know, there are certain times, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about this a little earlier in the week, this idea of kind of when do you push through with issues at church and when do you say uncle? And I think unless you've got enough, you've, you've got a broad enough community with enough stability, you say uncle. And by uncle, you mean we're not going here anymore. We'll either stop going or go somewhere else. I think so. Yeah. So in other words, how long do you keep yourself in that situation where you're surrounded by, you know, quote, people that are just as human as you and hope slash try to make it work versus say, not a fit for me, I'm going to leave? Well, I think, I think, a couple of things are important there. The first one is voice. Is there a space for you to have a voice? So I'm not really that interested in people agreeing with me. That's not really no. Well, I know you like disagreement to refine ideas, but do you really just thrive on people disagreeing with you? 
I don't think I thrive on it, but I, I expect it. I expect it to a certain degree, right? Because if, if, if it's taken me a lot of time and a lot of research and I've gone from thinking one way, which I have, I used to think, you know, I used to, I used to live that way, right? I mean, I was a Christian for seven years and an agnostic for seven years. And now I've been a Christian again for 16 years. But that, that first episode, if you like, of me in Christianity was very different from me now in Christianity. I had some very different views. And so if the transition's taken me a long time, how on earth should I think that I'm going to say a few comments to people, which hopefully they'll understand, but we might not even understand each other to begin with. But assuming we do, it's going to take some time. I'm just happy if they come back. If they're like, <laughs> okay, you know what? You said five things there and I disagreed with four of them, but one of them made enough sense and has got me thinking and I want to talk about that one. Okay, cool. Let's talk about that. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't expect people to agree with me, right? My, my goal when I'm in conversation with somebody is to perpetuate that conversation. I want people to come back and keep talking. That's my goal. And if we see eye to eye, uh, you know, I've got to admit it's a lot easier, but when we don't, you know, um, I think, I think the other part of that too is I'm a human being and they're a human being, which means ultimately we will see eye to eye because we live in the same world. We share the same uh, physiology. We share some of the same concerns about, you know, being cared for and caring for others and interacting well, and living well, right? And so if I'm not getting to the point where I can uh, carry on a conversation with somebody and they're going to come out of that conversation and be at least be willing to talk to me again, then I didn't do a very good job. So your first, your first suggestion is what kind of voice do you have? What are your others? Well, the voice piece is not, not do they agree with me, but can I speak my mind? Can I have a voice without... And still be accepted yes. or without being yes. shut down. Yes, okay. exactly. Because when I am seen as a, um, as a threat to the faithful, if you're in a situation where you perceive that you're being deemed a threat to the faithful, walk. Walk right away. You know, and maybe it may be that you've got ideas that, that um, may need some adjustment or some reform even. And, and you know what? That's Okay. But that is not being a threat to the faithful. That is having some ideas that need adjustment and potentially reform. And that should be treated with love and care. You should be treated with love and care in that, in that situation. And if somebody's really that concerned about what you have to say, I hope they're talking to you. And I hope that you can tell that they're concerned, not just that they deem you a threat. That's not a Christian environment. And you walk then because it's not Christian. You're in a church place that's a church, but they're acting in a way that's not Christian towards you. And as a church, they have a sense of authority and they can request and seek that you act as they should, as they, as they say you should, right? That's part of what it is to be in a church is I'm being shepherded. I'm being brought on board with a way of thinking and being in the world. That's Christian. Well, if something rings untrue to you in terms of how they're presenting Christianity, um, my first, my first reaction would be, Hey, I need to have a conversation with you. 
Well, if in the course of that conversation you have no voice, or if prior to that you have no no voice, and if your views are seen not simply as different but as uh, dangerous and subversive, then I would leave. Um, the other question I would ask myself is, um, what sort of state am I in? You know, and so I remember being um, my father and brother had just died. Um, it was. Or no, it was, was it just before they died. It was just around the death. And there was just a lot of things going on in my family. Like my father was causing so many problems. And I remember there was a potluck going on in the church. And I was in university. I was trying to do my studies. I was trying to do my exams. And there was a potluck going on. And one of the, one of the women uh, from one of the elders came up and, and, and asked me what I could contribute. And I said, you know, honestly, I can't do a thing right now. And she said to me, everybody can at least do something. What can you do? (laughs) And I just thought, you know what, lady, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going through, right? I'm not going to tell you what's happening in my family. Um, I'm not going to tell you what's happening in my life and my personal counseling and et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, I I think we just have to be, I'm not not sure the the, the exact point I was raising there, but just a a sense of... um, well, yeah, where you're at, right? So if, 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 if I'm in a place where I need to be able to say, you know what, I can't convince you of it. I'm not going to take the time to do this because it just wouldn't be right. It's just too invasive and too, um, too intimate for me to have this conversation with you. I'll simply say, right now, I can't do that. And if you're in a place where you get pushback, that's Okay. But where that pushback won't relent, that's not okay. You know, so she, she let that go. She didn't, she didn't push me on that. But I've had other situations where the push comes from here and it comes from there and it comes from there and it comes from there. And eventually you're, you're sort of in a position where you get the message, they're looking for a person who can do this or who doesn't do that. Or who doesn't say no. Of, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not talking Christian practice, right? I'm not talking anything like that. I'm talking like, can you contribute here? Can you lead this group there? Well, maybe you can and maybe you can't. And you need to be honest with yourself. And you need to be as open as you need to be to communicate to them, this isn't going to work right now. You know, can, you, can I still be part of this? And I, I, if I were older, if I were in there now, you know, I might have then said to her, you know, if there was a lot of pushback, can I still be part of this community if I don't bring something for the potluck or should I have to leave? <laughs> that would have forced the issue. Wow. I would have forced the issue, but, but I would have been on the doorstep, right? And I think being on the doorstep, the last thing I'll say about that, about being in church is I think of a family here that got pushed out of a place, the same church again that my kids were going to. And, um, you know, there's some unhealthy things happening in that place. I'll, I'll simply say that. Um, and they felt that they needed to talk with the elders about what had happened. And, but they deliberated a long time in coming to that decision. And I would say that for them, for this, in this particular case, they had been at this church for a number of years and had been a, a staple. They had been a, they played a big role in the church and their absence was noticed, if not talked about. They, they had no feedback about being absent, but it was noticed right away. And I would, I think too, that that's something that people just should be wary about. You know, do you need to present your views to the church? 
maybe you do and maybe you don't. Something to think about. But I think sometimes we're in a really tight position. Life is really hard on us. You're getting a ton of pushback, let's say, or you're being viewed as a subverter of the faith. Sometimes you don't have a foot to stand on or you don't have the energy to stand on it if you've got that one foot left. So I guess those are my, my views on kind of when to, when to, when to cut bait and, and what you might want to do when you do cut bait. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. Notes and links for this episode are at untanglingchristianity.com. We welcome your thoughts and comments both at the website and our private Facebook group. If you'd like to join the private Facebook group, let us know your email address in the sidebar of the website to receive notes and links for each episode, and we'll send you an invite to our private group. Or you can send your thoughts or requests to join the group by email. Send those emails to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode. Thank you.